and welcome to Cream of Caroline, the only casserole lifestyle podcast with the audacity to serve you something this hot and creamy when it's 95 degrees outside. I'm your host, Caroline Hatchett. Today's episode is all about love and relationships, and we have special guest Maggie O'Brien Papalardo here to coach you on how to work on your current relationships and how to pursue new ones in today's terrifying dating climate. We also dropped into NYC's number one Tinder date spot, Nightcap. And for lunch, I'm serving a rice ring with cream chicken, rings and romance, get it? And our lunch guests, Julia and Shannon, will share their thoughts on and experiences with modern love. It's going to be creamy. What's in the oven? For our rings and romance episode, I am making a rice ring filled with creamed chicken. So technically nothing is going in the oven today. It's too damn hot for that. Uh, but we're gonna get started making a um, velouté, which is a French term for a sauce of stock and cream thickened with flour and egg yolks. It's much like you would make a roubaix sauce or a bechamel for mac and cheese, just with stock instead of all dairy. Uh, and to that you add three cups of diced chicken and sauteed mushrooms, Honestly, it's pretty bland, uh, completely inoffensive, so I spiked ours with Tabasco and black pepper for a little bit of a kick. Then for the rice ring, the whole point and inspiration for this episode, you make rice according to package instructions. You need four cups total cooked rice. Toss in with that cooked English peas, diced pimentos, butter. Pack that into a ring mold tightly. Place a platter over top, flip it, and voila. But this didn't work out for me today. It completely collapsed. So I had to judge it and pat the rice into a ring just so it could contain the chicken and cover up all of the ugly parts with curly parsley. Good luck with this one, listeners. The recipe doesn't work. That's what's in the oven. Casseroles in the news. The Port Elizabeth Express has launched a Bay Chefs recipe competition, and they're looking for dishes unique to Nelson Mandela Bay in South Africa. The first submission came from local Mary Moulton, a venison casserole. All recipes must be submitted by July 24th, and five finalists will compete in a cook-off this September. The Jacksonville Daily News reports that Onslow County Schools will feed students this week, Monday through Thursday, at schools including Bell Fork, Hunters Creek, Jacksonville Commons, Southwest Somerville, and Sandridge Elementary. Thursday's lunch menu is pizza, grape tomatoes, a berry cup, and sweet potato casserole. The combination sounds off to us, but at least meals are served with students' choice of milk. And finally, the Event News Enterprise reports that Susan McCormick's spring ukulele class ended last week with a potluck and a surprise talent show at the Artesia Community Center in Artesia, California. Talent included a hula dance by Barbara Casey, a violin and a flute solo by Shirley Hagar, and a soprano saxophone solo by Elka Shen. The highlight of the day was, of course, the delicious potluck luncheon, and while Cream of Caroline did zero fact-checking on the menu, we know in our heart of hearts that there was a casserole present. If you're interested in Susan's fall ukulele classes, the 12-week session starts September 12th and will end with a holiday potluck. That's your casseroles in the news. Okay, guests. Uh, today we have on Cream of Caroline, Maggie O'Brien Papalardo. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I, I'm really excited to have you here. Um, so Maggie works for Relationship Hero, which is a 24-7 
app that's like incredible app based service that helps users overcome relationship challenges. And uh, she's here for the Rings and Romance episode, which kind of um, really was inspired by this horrible dish I'm going to make you later. I promise it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be delicious as a rice ring. Um, but then from that, I you know I have a ton of single people in my life. And I've been married for 11 years, oh. and uh, I'm so clueless <laughs> about anything that's happening in modern romance or uh, the online dating realm. Yeah. <laughs> William and I, like, didn't text each other. It was, like, pre-text messaging. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, so a lot has changed. <laughs> uh, so I'm eager to learn. Um, but first, I want to get to know you a little bit better. Where, um, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Connecticut in like a really, really tiny town in Connecticut, about an hour and a half outside of the city. Okay. Um, yeah, it's like super small. Like the people come there from New York to pick apples and that's like the only time there's traffic there. There's like no streetlights, no cell phone service. <laughs> yeah. So it's like tiny. Uh, and what did, what was family mealtime like for you? So we, before uh, we started recording, um, as her last name looks like uh, Maggie mm-hmm. is half <laughs> Italian and half... Uh, Irish. Yes. What what were family meals at your home? Um, so my dad is the cook okay. in the family. Uh, he's an amazing cook. He's like the best cook ever. Um, but my mom is very much like, she's actually started to cook more now, but growing up it was a lot of like chicken fingers and french fries. Oh yeah, me too. Um, yeah, but like I obviously like <laughs> loved that. I was like, hell yeah. Um, like ordering pizza, like, that was my favorite thing growing up was pizza. It's still my favorite thing. Um, so, but my dad would, he's like very experimental so he cooks everything he'll make like Indian dishes and okay. he'll make uh, like ratatouille and eggplant parmesan and just like every he's always buying new cookbooks and like experimenting with new recipes that's a great so dad like, yeah uh so did you eat casseroles or no no so not I never I, <laughs> like no, well, maybe I, like chicken parm kind of kind of well so re, so growing up no but over the past three years or so during Christmas my dad has started making this kind of Mexican casserole that's for really Christmas. good for like the week after Christmas when it's just okay. kind of like we all just hang out in the house and like drink wine and cook and like my whole family comes back and it's awesome um but that kind of changed my view of casseroles because I was always like ew casseroles and then um he was like I'm making a casserole and my sister and I were like super skeptical but it was just like it's just layers of things in a dish. So, right. <laughs> so it was, it's like rice and beans and chicken and then like tortillas layered with this sauce that he makes and oh, yeah. cheese on top and it was so good. It sounds delicious. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know if my cream chicken is going <laughs> to change your opinion. Well, uh, reverse trying. back. Uh, but there are no canned ingredients today. We, we tried, I tried to keep it as fresh as possible. <laughs> um, okay, so now I have at least your, your food history. Yes very important before we, you know, move forward into any other work, into work yeah, history. First and foremost. Um, but so tell me, um, you know, I've done a little research, obviously, but tell Cream of Caroline listeners more about Relationship Hero and who, like who it's for. Cool. So yeah, Relationship Hero, like you said, it's a 24-7 relationship coaching service. Mm-hmm. We have coaches all over the world, which is how we're All over the to, world. Yeah, all over the world. So that's how we're able to provide on-demand coaching for clients like at any time of day on holidays you know whenever you never know when a relationship disaster might strike um so we offer coaching either over the chat room or 
online and we have coaches who specialize in all different areas of relationship issues so people come here for all sorts of reasons and so if you are a person and you have one specific issue you're matched with a coach but then do you stay with that coach so you can stay with that coach it's you know it's up to uh, the client um the reason that we kind of offer the on-demand 24-7 coaching is because if you come in and say I was working with the client and they, they come in and they have this text message they need to respond to and they're not quite sure how to navigate it and I'm not I'm off for the day they'll have another coach there who can jump right in and catch up on the notes and be able to continue giving them advice to get them closer to their goal. And so how did you how did you get into this line of work because you also uh, are an actor and you do some writing as well um, but how does a human find work as a dating coach? And then how do you prepare for it? Yeah, so it was kind of a random chain of events that led me into the this kind of industry. Um, yeah, like you said, I studied acting and writing in college, and that's what brought me to New York. And I was auditioning here my first year out of college, and my first like professional gig that I booked was a commercial for Avon. That was and, for Avon, okay. Yeah, and... Um, the premise of the commercial was that it was a kind of a his and hers perfume and cologne and they wanted me to go on three blind dates with three different guys in the dark so dates in the dark so I couldn't see them we just would talk that's kind of creepy one of them was wearing the uh, cologne um, so during that process I was matched with a, a matchmaker and it was like they wanted to make it a really authentic process and I went through uh, like a whole questionnaire with her and talked about what uh, my past relationships and my relationship goals and what I'm looking for in a partner and then that's how she picked the three guys and I hit it off with her she was super interesting I was so fascinated that it was an industry like I just you know you think of matchmakers being this like old school thing that doesn't really exist no I didn't I didn't know that it was a thing at all yeah um so I was just so intrigued by this whole industry and then I ended up applying there. I started off working as a matchmaker um, and then uh, my favorite part about the matchmaking was just talking to clients and talking to prospective matches about you know the same things that I had talked to about the matchmaker. You know, What do you want in a relationship? What are your core values in a relationship? How can you achieve that? How do you approach first dates? How do you navigate this like whole crazy dating world? And through that I started doing some research and I stumbled across Relationship Hero. So I applied to them, and I've been working there since October. Okay. Yeah, and that, that really does make a lot more sense to me because it, there has been a history of matchmaking and people who know how to do it, yeah. right, forever. And in a modern world where we take on a million responsibilities and have to be generalists, uh, I guess we're also expected or feel like we're expected to know everything about love and how to manage relationships. Yeah. But yeah, it's a lifelong process. Absolutely. And there are experts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just see it like going to find a matchmaker or going to, you know, a relationship coach. It's just you making love and relationships a priority in your life. And like you said, it's so easy to get swept up in so many other things. Like, I mean, especially in New York, people are wrapped up in a thousand different things in their careers. And it, it's hard to find that time. But I think making a commitment like this shows that, like, this is a priority of my life. This is something that's really important to me, and I'm willing to utilize the resources I need to get to my goals. 
Uh, just so listeners know, how much does it cost to use Relationship Hero? So there are a variety of different options. When a user comes in for the first time, we offer $49 for a 60-minute strategy session. Okay. So during that time, you'll be paired up with a coach. We will get all of your relationship background, hear from you on your relationship issue, give you an assessment of your situation, and then come up with a customized plan with actionable steps so you can get closer to reaching your relationship goal. Then after that, you can come in for on-demand coaching at a pay-per-minute option, Mm -hmm. or there are bundles that you can buy so you can get a savings on the permanent. Okay. I mean, $50 is a lot less expensive for $49 than like Mm -hmm. a bad date, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like that's a really good, a good value. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what, so tell me about a typical user interaction. Obviously you can't talk about specific people, but, um, what, what kinds of issues are you helping people with? Uh, what's the user experience? Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned, they come in and we either will do a session over chat or over the phone, but in terms of the issues that are the relationship blocks that our our, uh, clients are experiencing, it it really varies. You know, people come in for, because they want to move on, people come in to get their ex back, people come in to revamp their online dating profile. So we have coaches who have skill sets in like almost every relationship issue imaginable. I would say that the number one reason that people come to Relationship Hero is to win their ex back or get their ex back and just get a better understanding of what went wrong in the relationship, you know, what the communication breakdown was between mm-hmm. them and their partner and how they can change things moving forward. So yeah, that's interesting. So they're not like bidding for a while. It's like figuring out how to rekindle and to start fresh. I'm bitter. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's, we always say that it's like when you know a relationship ends, that relationship is over. That relationship ended for a reason. So if you're going to get back together with this person and actually have a successful relationship, you need to have a new type of relationship with that person. So we kind of help understand what exactly wasn't working and how they can use those lessons in order to create a new relationship with this person. And then do you have a what's your particular specialty? I. I special, my favorite thing is dating and online profile creation okay. and helping with that. Um, but I also specialize with getting X back and moving on from a relationship. Okay, so what are, what are like just a few tips, three tips um, for someone with an online dating profile? Like what are the first things that you go in and you're like, fix this now? Like what's, what's wrong with most profiles? So it's really important to have good pictures. Um, You want to make sure that you have a profile picture that is just you, that is a clear photo of your face, and it's an attractive photo of you. And you also want to make sure that the other pictures paint a picture of who you are as a person. Like, you want to show your interests. It doesn't want to be just this one-dimensional thing of what you look like. You kind of want to create a story of the type of person that you are. So incorporating pictures of hobbies that you have or trips that are really important to you or, you know, a pet that Mm -hmm. you love. That can create, you know, more of an intrigue and there actually can be specific things about the profile that a person will, you know, want to connect with you on. Um, Having a bio is important. It's important to include as much information, you know, as you can in order to have different things besides just like a, a photo that someone would want to match with you on. You know, if right. you have something special about you, your career or something really awesome that you've done, like include that. It has to be more than just 
just a, a good photo. Um, and, and openers are really important. What's, on, a, what's an opener? So like when you match with somebody and then the first message that you send to someone, you don't want that just to be a generic hey, or how are you, or how was your day? There are so many people on dating sites. It's so oversaturated. So you want to make sure that you're doing something creative to kind of stick out. Like, what? give me an example. Like, what would you do? So I think that humor is always good. And also picking something, like I said, specific about their profile. Like, why did you match with them? What about that profile stuck out to you? Was it some, that they love to travel? Was it that, you know, they like the same baseball team as you? Whatever it might be, you want to let them know that you've read their profile and there's something interesting about that beyond just looks that draws you to them. Okay. I feel like your background in acting and playwriting helps maybe you construct a narrative for people. I don't think people understand their own stories sometimes. I write, I've written like probably a thousand bios (laughs) in my work at Star Chefs. And uh, I think people really appreciate it when you help take all of the disparate interesting parts of someone's life and put it together and they're like wow this makes me seem really well you are really interesting absolutely it's hard to talk about yourself and write about yourself so it's nice to have that objective opinion okay uh and so you know if people are in if people are in relationships um good bad something they want to hold on to but needs improvement like What's something that everybody, or if you're single and like looking looking forward to a, a healthy relationship, like what are a few things that people can do to improve the relationships, like right now? To, to improve the relationships that they're in. Yeah, to improve okay, that they're yeah. in. Because I mean, like again, like married eleven years, but uh, you know, uh, we have good weeks and bad weeks and yeah. bad months. I mean, of course, of course. <laughs> Love you, William. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everybody does. Every relationship does. Um, but I would say the. The three most important things would be um, to continue to be spontaneous. You know, it's so important in a relationship to have that level of comfort, but sometimes that comfort can kind of melt into complacency. We try so hard in the beginning with prospective partners or potential partners to attract them and intrigue them and excite them. And the choice to do that shouldn't go away just because you're in a relationship. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, And I think... Uh, you know, this is kind of obvious, but communication is really key in being able to express your emotional needs and wants in a relationship because they vary so drastically from person to person. You know, there's a variety of different love languages. People have a variety of different emotional needs and you can't expect your partner to be a mind reader. You know, so for you, you know, you might it might be so important to you to be complimented um, or, you know, complimented on your cooking or, you know, the dress you're wearing and having these verbal expressions of love while your partner might not hold any weight to that. And it might be way more important for him to be physically with you and cuddling with you and kissing you. And that might land more for him. Um, Do you know me? (laughs) (laughs) I know you so well. (laughs) Um, So I think that sometimes there's a misconception that it's like not okay or romantic to vocalize what you want but that would just assume that everybody kind of wants the same things and it right. doesn't acknowledge all the, the differences and nuances to what people how people receive and express love okay um and then I would say the last thing to kind of touch on what you were saying is like don't be afraid of having conflicts you know it's not about if you fight or how much you fight it's just about how you fight um and 
and being mindful of fighting fair and like attacking the issue instead of attacking one another. So trying, you know, no name calling and like hurling words as, as weapons um, and actually attacking the root of the problem and being curious about what that issue is. With empathy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like listening, how, listening to your partner, how you would want to be listened to if you were upset and like expressing yourself in a way that's coming from a place of how you feel rather than a place of like attack. Because if, you know, attack is always going to be met by defense and then that's just always going to result in like being stuck and not moving forward. Yeah, I've experienced that. I'm getting better. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like saying all this. I still do it sometimes. Um, and so, and I, I told you, uh, so I insta-stalked Maggie pretty hard uh, to prepare for the interview. Obviously. And <laughs> is, is today really your parents' anniversary? No, so their anniversary was the 11th. Oh, July. okay. I thought I saw it on Instagram for the 19th, damn it. But they've been married for 27 years. Mm-hmm. Um, how, that's like incredible. Yeah. What did... I mean, obviously, some of that has to have helped prepare you for this role and your relationships that you're in. What did you learn from your parents? Yeah, I mean, they're my, like, biggest relationship inspiration. They set the bar really, really high. Um, I could, like, go ramble about their relationship for the entirety of the podcast. (laughs) But um, I think the most valuable lesson um, they taught me and my siblings and why the the type of relationship they had set such a good example for us is that they didn't they didn't pretend that it was just you know to have a long-term relationship it's not just like two people who meet each other and like they just click and they're perfect for together perfect for each other and they are together forever like it yes you fall in love and there's romance and there is something about that person that draws you in but it's a choice to stay in a long-term relationship it's waking up every single morning and continuing to choose that person and prioritize that person and and choose that person even when that's like not the easiest choice um and i think that that's like the most romantic thing ever yeah the choice um what's do you give pep talks to clients do you like instill them with the same confidence that you have and that your parents gave you? Like, what's your be- give me your best pep talk. Um, so, yeah, I think for for women, I I encourage them to get clear on what they want in a relationship. Do and most people not know? I think that there's a difference between the must-haves in a relationship and the nice-to-haves in a relationship, and when you confuse them, it can get it can really bog you down and, and, and make the way you approach dating not as effective. So like, for example, the must-haves could be shared values or, you know, similar goals in life or a shared passion or, you know, whatever it might be, it's individual, you know, it's, it differs for each individual. Um, and then like the nice-to-haves are like having blue eyes or, you know, he plays soccer or he's like this tall. And I think getting really clear on what your must-haves are and then once you're clear on that, like, don't be afraid to ask for that and, like, don't settle for less than that. And that's just going to make you so much more confident with the way that you approach dating and the way you weed through the dating scene. And it's going to give you more control on dates in general and in relationships. And it's also, like, really sexy to know yourself and know what you want in a relationship. So I think that that's important. I think that sometimes... Uh, I think sometimes women can shy away from like asking for what they want and like having really firm boundaries around that. But I think as long as you're clear that the things that you are asking for are actually the things that like 
in your heart of hearts are the most important to right. you, then like stick to that and like don't let anybody tell you to shy away from that. I mean, are there some people that you've coached who have some like pretty ridiculous must haves though? Um, or do you or do you help work think, work with them to it? Yeah, I think those? once you yeah, I think that you can come and think I mean, when I was when I was younger, I thought that I would literally never, ever date a guy who couldn't play the guitar and also was, like, amazing at football. <laughs> My boyfriend can't do either. So right. That's pretty, it's a pretty slim dating pool. You know, it's like you think that there are all these things that are your actual must-haves. Once you really kind of reflect on the relationship that you want and, and, and what things really hit home for you you could write out a list of what you think your must-haves are but then if you kind of go through that list and you're forced to underline the things that you absolutely could not imagine yourself connecting with somebody if they didn't have that then it narrows it down so I think that there you know you have a list of qualities that you want but once you actually reflect on those qualities and really pull out your core core values in a relationship you can date with confidence and effectively and is the, you know, is it different for men, different advice for men? Um, I think for men, I would say to not limit the points of focus in terms of what you think women are attracted to, um, such as like career status and looks and I you know, touched on this before, but but height and like these, yes, like women like tall, good looking, successful guys, they're attracted to that. But what they're really attracted to is how somebody makes them feel by the way they behave towards them and by the way that they communicate with them. And that kind of attraction is what actually creates lasting connections. Okay. And so, and you guys work with gay couples as well? Yes, definitely. All right. Obviously. Okay. Just wanted to check. I know, I know some of our <laughs> listeners out there. I can, I can think of uh, several friends. I'm like, are you listening? You, you know, you need a relationship hero. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name any names. Um, but what I do have for you, Maggie, I have two questions, okay. and then um, maybe our guests for lunch will have some more. Who knows? Um, but the first one uh, is ghosting Mm -hmm. and I assume that you just need to like let people go but if you have chatted and texted and gone on you know a date or two with someone and even brought him soup like when he's sick and Mm -hmm. then two weeks later it's just nothing like for me I don't understand I don't understand the phenomenon at all like what do you advise for people uh who are ghosted like can you can they change their approach or is it just like this modern phenomenon that people need to get used to you know it it happens for a variety of reasons like it just does there's it could be that something changed for them at work or that they you know they were with somebody else and that relationship started taking off or they realized that they're not ready to date or you know something happened with their family there the list can go on and on and on um but the reason that you're not getting an explanation is usually because that person doesn't feel that you're owed it this early on in the relationship and it also could be really personal and they just don't know you well enough to open up about it and it it feels like the right thing for them to do is just avoid it and and move on and there isn't that there isn't that connection there yet that that an explanation is owed in their mind so should you wait around or if they ping you a month later like 
I guess you don't owe them anything either. No, of course not. And I think, you know, situations are different. And again, you know, people have their different reasons and that might manifest differently in different types of relationships. But it's not, you know, it isn't you. It's something that's going on with them. So I think the best advice is to just let go and and move forward. And if somebody comes back a month later, it's completely understandable that if they left you feeling really vulnerable and confused, you wouldn't want to put yourself back out there with them, but that's a personal decision. Okay. Uh, And then we have a second listener who says that he's addicted to the spark. Mm -hmm. Um, In several stages of the relationship, both uh, when you meet someone new who's into him uh, and the chase and the play, but then also uh, the sexual tension. So he says it's the feeling you get when you're super attracted to someone and it's reciprocated and you feel like anything wild could happen and you're about to get naughty. He (laughs) loves that, but he he wants to learn how to help nurture a long-term relationship and do his best to keep the spark alive. Yeah, totally. So I think uh, kind of what I was talking about before in terms of remaining spontaneous in a relationship, it's not just some feeling you do or don't have control over in terms of keeping the spark alive. It is a choice to do so. And that like exciting, nervous, can't sleep, can't eat, checking my phone all the time feeling that we get in the beginning of relationships is this kind of like buzzing anticipation that of what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen and we're kind of on the edge of our seats of like, where is this going to go? And you can keep that in a relationship as well. Like catch your partner by surprise like show up at their work and give them a hotel room key and tell you to meet them there tell them to meet you there at like 7 30 like plan a spontaneous trip away if you create new and exciting experiences that snatch you out of your regular routine in a relationship that feeling is going to come back and that feeling is going to be present because it's new and it's different and it's going to have that same can't sleep can't eat what's going to happen buzzing okay do you hear that <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing advice um and did we did we miss anything? Are there any other like top tips, love, anything that you've encountered that you feel like you just like have to share? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Um, I think that you know everybody's relationship journey is totally different and unique for them, and like never feel insecure about where you are and don't compare yourself to anybody else or anybody's else's relationship and if you need some extra support come to relationship come Hero. to relationship yeah <laughs> 24/7 that's like that's yeah. super intense and holidays <laughs> uh, well Maggie thank you so much for your time thank you for having me I am going to uh, I'm going to crank up the heat on lunch even though it's 100 degrees on New York <laughs> and we'll be joined in just a second for to eat cool all right awesome okay Before we get to lunch, I want to take you to Nightcap on the Lower East Side. Nightcap is a fabulous woman-owned and run cocktail bar that also happens to be a hot spot for Tinder dates. I spoke with bartender Ariana Deskowskis, who's going to give us a recipe for a drink to make at home and impress loved ones, and give all you single folks out there tips on how to behave on first dates. Bartenders, if you didn't know, do a lot more than make drinks. They are expert observers of humanity. It's their job to read a room and their guests. And I have with us Ari Deskowskis. Yes? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Sorry, we, got, we had a second with the name there, Perfect. guest. So how many how many hot dates do you think you're, you know, are coming into Nightcap? Probably about 20. Yeah. Yeah, about around 20. Um, like the early hours are really nice and uh, quiet here, so we play really like sexy music lighting's dark people are always coming in um filling up the two tops and 
Yeah. Are they like waiting awkwardly with their cell phones, waiting for people? So, <laughs> most times there are people who are like, oh, I'm waiting for someone. I don't really know what they look like, but I'm just going to take this table. And yeah, they're kind of just like on their phones, but like still nervously looking at the door every 10 seconds. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, what everybody really wants to know is from your very professional <laughs> opinion of observing all these humans so what are some of the best best and worst of it um i guess we'll start with with best right um i mean we we have a lot i have like we have a lot of regulars who we don't necessarily treat like regular regulars because they're in here on first dates quite a bit okay you know (laughs) so um i think that's great and people have found this as kind of like their safe place to come on a date and take somebody or to like meet up with somebody. Um, I think a good thing that people do is they talk about our menu with their date. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an easy way to just start a conversation. Your menus are beautiful. Our menus are pretty, they're interactive. Um, we have games in them that you can play together. It's like, I like to call it an icebreaker because it's, it's just the way to kind of get the conversation going. Um, and what are the sections of the menu? How is it divided? Um, so we have we have um, our whole menu is kind of like a fold out, like super colorful um, interactive menu, and we have a uh, crossword, which a lot of people like to do. And it, that one it takes quite a while. So like you could be working on that for the whole time of your date and kind of just like and understand whether they're smart or not yeah (laughs) also and our crosswords are also like they're flirty they're fun um we also have a connect the dots that's always pretty sensual um there could be like group activity happening on a banana or something like Ah, that you know i don't want to give it away or anything but like yeah so it's it's a fun way to kind of like keep it interesting I guess like keep your conversation interesting on a date okay any other any other tips any other good behaviors um I think it's always nice to let the other person order for them I think there's this like like for themselves I think there's like this like outdated notion of like oh if I order for this person then I'll seem like more assertive or whatever but I think like letting the person like talk to the bartender and like figure out what they like and making sure that like because then you're also listening to kind of like what they're into and what right they, yeah you're actually so you're actually you're li- you're you're listening to what they like instead of like assuming like oh I'll get you this drink um and I think another thing like on the same kind of note is listening more I've seen a lot of dates where I don't even know what one person sounds like because just the other person is talking so much <laughs> like not really li- and it, is this gendered or is it is it across the board I wouldn't say it's gendered um I would say that it's pretty much across the board we get like a wider range of dates um and <laughs> humans are humans and I feel like when some people are nervous they ramble okay and I've seen that a lot so I think just like trying to hone in the nervousness and asking more questions and listening um, might, yeah, that, that's like a solid thing to do on a date, I think. I feel like people come here and have a pretty good time. I think we help facilitate that pretty well and like keep people safe and um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we have like too many horror stories. No, I mean, it sounds like the, you know, 
date on a bar is like date, you know, uh, tips for humanity. Be nice. Yeah. Be attentive, engage. Yeah. There's shared activities that we can do and enjoy together. Totally. Don't fucking order my cocktail for me. (laughs) Let me choose. (laughs) That would would be uh, like a date ender for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's like you don't even know me yet. Okay. I feel it. Hopefully, cream listeners, you've gotten in your your bar etiquette tips (laughs) uh, from Ari. So... You know, your bar is obviously equipped. I'm here, guys, and they're, like, souving <laughs> beets. And what are the beets in? Uh, the beets are in um, white rum right now. And then, yeah. and what else is in the emergent circulator? Uh, there is some dried shiitake mushrooms in Japanese whiskey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> got got quite a bit going on. Just, just a few things. <laughs> so Ari's going to give us some specs for a recipe that you can make at home that's probably not going to involve um, sous vide mush- not, yeah. mushrooms. <laughs> And Japanese whiskey. Yeah. Uh, what uh, What is your your potion? Yeah, um, this one's called Mirepoix. Um, okay. It is kind of like if a dirty martini or Gibson uh, met a Vesper. Um, oh. So vegetal, savory, crisp, boost forward. Um, okay. It was inspired by like the French cooking starter Mirepoix of celery, uh, carrots, and onions. Okay. So, yeah, we really wanted to make a drink that had those elements but didn't taste like broth um, and was just really clean. So we made a martini. Uh, I am, I don't know if you knew this, but I am a martini fan. Oh, really? Oh. Number number one martini fan. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome. Um, So, yeah, I guess I'll just go over the the specs with you. Yeah. And then kind of tell, you can pretty much get all of these bottles at like like an Aster Wines or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So we'll start with the bitters. It's a Scrappy's Celery Bitters. You're just going to do a dash of that. This is a stirred cocktail. Um, if you don't have, like, a mixing glass, you could literally use, like, a pint glass. That's what, that's literally what we use here. Okay. Um, uh, and then you're going to do, um, a half teaspoon of onion brine. Um, and we just use the brine that you find in the cocktail onions that you can buy from the store. Okay. Um, and then another half teaspoon of, um, a cane syrup which is just um, just a simple syrup made with uh, cane sugar. Okay. Uh, and then the next thing is a pretty cool ingredient. It's a rice of our carrot eau de vie, mm-hmm. um, which is really a delicious thing. And it's kind of nice if you buy a bottle for this cocktail, you can have something really nice on your home bar um, to kind of like have for special occasions. To look, to look bougie and special. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a teaspoon of that. And then um, and a half an ounce of vodka. We use Grey Goose. Um, you could really use like your favorite vodka in this. Um, and then it's a three quarter ounce Dolan Blanc Vermouth and an ounce and a quarter of Tanqueray 10 gin. Uh, again, you can use your favorite like London style dry gin. Okay, so we have vodka and gin. Yep. Blanc Vermouth mm-hmm. and, then the, and then the carrot celery bitters and then okay and onions so now yeah. I, I was trying to like get through all the miracle yeah. ingredients in my head yeah um and then uh, yeah so you just stir that and you can serve it up um and we garnish it with a cocktail onion okay yeah and um, would you would you till the glassware in advance absolutely oh yeah okay that, you, that's that's like a pro tip if you're like trying to entertain someone at home like having the chilled like nick and nora i think that'll like really impress someone Make sure bar. you stir it long, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. long enough for the dilution. Yeah. Okay. okay. And also, if you like 
what we do here is we make big batches and we freeze it and uh, pre-batch it so that the texture is really silky. Ah. Um, so you could also do that. If you're like buying all the ingredients, put it like, I can like give you the uh, like large format mm -hmm. to do and then you can make a bottle of a martini, keep it in your freezer and just pull it out whenever you need. And this is my other tip for romance. If your partner or your prospective uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, other doesn't like martinis, just forget about it. <laughs> just forget about it. It's not it. gonna work out. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay, I am. Uh, we're gonna have the specs for this recipe on Instagram for you guys if you want the recipe. And now I'm gonna let Ari make me one. Woohoo! Yay! All yeah. right. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank I you for having it. me. Yeah. For all sure. right. Lunch is served. All right, guys. So as you as you witnessed, I um, put pretty poorly and molded my. <laughs> <laughs> Would you call that a mold? Uh, oh, that's burn. That <laughs> uh, I used instead of a ring mold that I did not want to buy a spring form pan with a bowl in the middle, um, which I wouldn't recommend in the future for mm. our listeners. It's really good. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Maggie. <laughs> it tastes like lunchroom food, mm -hmm. right? I, I think mean, that's sort of what casseroles are in a nutshell. I don't know. When I think of casseroles, I think of someone dying. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and right. And you bring casseroles. And you bring over beer. whatever can like last and then you put in the oven. Mm -hmm. It's just casseroles upon casseroles. And then everybody has a specific casserole that they bring. Mm -hmm. So Maggie, would you uh, would you recommend serving this on a, a date, a date night? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I, th I think that's very kind. Maggie is <laughs> very kind. It's all bite-sized, so it's like kind of polite. Yeah, you can just yeah. be really like, yeah. If you stay away from the broccoli, there's nothing that would get stuck in your teeth. No, there's no, like, yeah. very mild onion. Mm -hmm. No, I did not do garlic, even though, like, I would have naturally been inclined to do that. Um, I also don't think it would cause a lot of uh, digestive issues further <laughs> down the line. <laughs> Later on. Like, the last thing you want is to be making out and your stomach grumbles or worse. Mm -hmm. So, I don't think that would happen here. So, Julia, you are, you said you're taking a break from dating apps at the moment. Yeah. Right. So I I only started about six months ago because um, long story short I I was married. I mm -hmm. technically still am. I'm in the midst of a divorce. Okay. Um, we've been separated for two years, mm -hmm. but we were together for I would say around eight years. Okay, a long time. So during the earliest waves of the dating app scene. Well, not the early, early, because then you would have to get into like gay dating apps, mm -hmm. which, you know, forged a path before we straight people got into it. But, you know, when Tinder was first around, I only heard about it. I wasn't using it. You weren't participating. So, you were like swiping drunk for your friends. No, I'm not even. So I got back to, so I got back to, I was living in Berlin. My, my ex is German. And I got back to New York and, um, I was finally like, let's see what all the fuss is about. And uh, I very quickly got up to speed. And in a way, half the reason I got into it was because I just wanted to be able to have conversations with my friends. Yeah. I didn't want to be on the outside of all of their jokes and complaining. Mm -hmm. And a month into it, and I was like, now I get every single reference and every single joke that has been told <laughs> over okay. the last like decade of my life that I didn't before. So it's been very interesting. What's also interesting is that Julia found a glitch in Bumble. 
for a while now, you would match with someone on Bumble. You would message him or her, as the case may be, I guess, and then the message would just disappear and you would never find out what happened and you'd be like well that sucks why did this person unmatch with me that makes no sense and I got together enough people that this had happened to that we all thought it was a glitch mm -hmm. and then this past weekend um, I met a girl uh, for the first time who uh, was who so so we were talking about dating and then we were talking about where we live and I said I lived in Queens and I asked if she knew it and um, she was like oh I just dated a guy who lived in Astoria for a month okay. and I said oh I just get dated a guy who lived in Astoria for two months it was not the same guy okay. <laughs> but as it turned out I described him well enough that she was like wait a minute I was just messaging on Bumble with a guy who fit that exact description and then his message disappeared and it was a shame because I really thought he was cool and cute and I wanted to meet him and I was like, well, he, well, the guy that I just stopped dating, we were still friends. Yeah. Let me message him and see if it was him. So I sent him a message and I said, this is going to sound really weird, but I just met this really cool girl. She's XYZ and she said that she's messaging with someone who fits her description. Is it you? And he said, yeah, it is me. And her message disappeared. So I thought she unmatched me. And I said, no, she didn't. I'm standing right here with her. I'll give, the, I'll give each of you the other's phone number. Which I did, and they immediately started texting, and they went out on a date last week. Boo. No, guys, everything was great. They went on a date. Julia played matchmaker. But you probably do uh, want to update your Bumble app to make sure that the glitch is taken care of. You are not being ghosted, but there is something scarier than ghosting. And since then, I, I learned about on, online, I think Kat might have sent me this article that was like, forget about ghosting, the new trend is mosting. And I was like, what the hell could this, so ghosting is when someone, you know, fucks off and you right. never hear from them again. Mosting is when, before they do that, they shower you with praise and affection and constant attention. And then they, and then they ghost. <laughs> See, I've had it happen where you yeah. get ghosted and then they come back and try to most it and you're like, what are you doing? And then you get ghosted again and then... Oh, I need to hear this. No. No. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't need to be... Okay. That doesn't need to be recorded for anyone. <laughs> We're not still recording, are we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Wait, I do... You can totally put that story in. Okay. So... It's a scary world out there dating, folks. But... enjoyed spending the last 45 minutes with you listeners and I hope you learned a few things on how to make your love better and stronger and if you still need more help there's always Maggie and Relationship Hero. You do know that all I want for you is to keep it creamy.